Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. everybody. So the last three or four episodes, I have talked about how I always say, welcome everybody. Uh, welcome back everybody. So today I'm intentionally trying it different. Hello everybody. I am um, excited today to be here with uh, Sister Michelle Burke again. Uh, for those of you that don't know her, uh, go back and listen to the podcast we've done with her. Uh, she's uh, just a fantastic uh, contributor here to the Institute uh, in Boise and in Nampa and and grateful to have you. So welcome. Thank you. I'm always happy to be here. Well, you have some kind of big things happening in your fa- in your in your home and your family, and in the next couple of weeks, tell us tell us what's going on. Oh, just life is so fun. We have yeah. a missionary coming home right? in five days. Yeah, five days. And you know, I've sent out three boys on missions. This sure. is my third coming home, and it's still just as exciting the third time as it is the yeah. first and second. And and the way they change a mission changes boys into men. And they come home adults, and they come home right. capable and yeah. confident and just in love with the Lord and all the things they've done. And it's just awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. He's coming back from where? Guatemala. He's yeah. been up in the mountains of Guatemala mm-hmm. teaching the Mayan people in Quechi. Wow, really cool. And he's, he watched a branch who has been an area. There's a village that's been closed for 40 years. He opened it up a year and a half ago brand new into the area, got the mayor's approval. And just last week he went back and saw that the church is opening a building. He got to help unwrap chairs and unwrap the podium. So he went from zero all the way to a church building the week before he comes home. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. What a cool experience. That's that's fantastic. Um, You're also moving into your new house. Well, we hope. We hope. (laughs) Someday. Sometime soon. Well, good for you. And and, uh, it's exciting that life just keeps moving, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Good. Well, today we are going to be in Matthew chapters 19 and 20, as well as Mark 10 and Luke 18. We'll probably spend, I don't know, the majority of the time in Matthew 19, 20. Um, Luke kind of retells that story, and then um, and uh, Mark does the same. There's a couple of little things we might touch on in there. but And I just want to chime in, too. For those studying the New Testament this year, if you don't have one of the books that harmonizes the Gospels, they are so fantastic. Yeah. There are literal printouts of... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in columns, Mm -hmm. and there's several different authors, but then you can see the gaps in the different gospel stories, because it's four people writing their histories and their experiences, right? But when you see them parallel to each other and you see what they add, you get the whole big story versus passing pages back and forth. So just as part of your Come Follow Me study, that is a book worth investing in that you'll use your whole life. Yeah, that's so good. I appreciate that. That's uh, something, you know, we at the Institute here hope, uh, again, we we talk about it regularly, but just we hope that this isn't all you're doing in Mm -hmm. your Come Follow Me week. But if you Um, are, how fun that you get to be with Brother Swenson on a (laughs) weekly basis. Right. We're grateful that you're here. But anyway, so yeah, those those are fantastic resources. They really are kind of what we study 
um, in a lot of ways to, to just get a flavor for what was really happening as a whole instead of just getting what Matthew's experience and Mark's experience. They were at the same events, but just like you and I would write about a different, a different fishing experience, having been at the same lake on the same day, mm -hmm. um, they write a different experience uh, from their perspective as well. So wonderful advice. So let's jump in. Matthew 19, um, where, where should we start? <clears throat> well, you know, right in the beginning, they talk about marriage between a man and a woman being ordained of God. They jump right into the Pharisees trying to catch Jesus, asking um, what is acceptable, what is not. So maybe we just jump to those verses 3 through 9. Yeah. Yeah, great. You want me to read them? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Should we read all of them? You stop me if, if, you, if you want me to, if you want to say something. Uh, verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So let me read yeah. a quote about that sure. as you're going, because uh, I think it gives context. We have to remember that legal justification for divorce today is totally different from then, yeah. right? Back then, there were two Jewish perspectives on what you could do. One was fiercely, you know, a great rival. Um, the divorce was just not an option, period. Sure. And the other was, well, if you don't like your wife, then you can divorce. So you had options. Yeah. And so it depended on which side of those you landed, that you could just get rid of your wife if you weren't happy with her, versus you never get rid of your wife. You're married and you work it out. Right. So they're kind of trying to stump Jesus in this question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, to see which side, which he side stands he's landing on. on. Yeah. yeah, okay. And I would guess that they, you, you said great rivals, like they would look at each other that- I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, very differently. Okay, cool. Um, they said unto him, this is going on in verse 7, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffer you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. <clears throat> and I said unto you, I say unto you, what, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. There's some stuff to talk about in verse 9 probably there, but... Um, but yeah, okay, so... So, so here's something that President Benson said about that. Yeah, sure. So President Benson... Um, well, there's a lot of great quotes from him, but right. he said, marriage, the home, and family are more than social inter, uh, institutions. Sure. They are divine, not man-made, but God-ordained marriage from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And the record of that first marriage in Genesis, the Lord makes four significant things. He says, first, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Second, the woman was created to be a helpmeet for man. Third, they are twain should be one flesh. Mm -hmm. And fourth, that man should leave father and mother to cleave unto his wife. Yeah. Now, we could talk about those four things for an hour. <laughs> right. But the biggest thing we have to remember is that mortality is all about man and woman being together mm -hmm. to create physical bodies for God's spirit children to have a mortal experience. Yeah. All of God's plan is about coming to earth to grow and become like Him. And the right. only way to get to earth is that spirit entering a body. Yeah. 
So for God to say, this is the commandment, man and woman, together one flesh, make a mortal body, so that all of these other children waiting to come have a tabernacle to live in to have this experience. That is doctrine. And the world right now is up in arms about that because what about our freedom of choice? What about we want what we want? (laughs) But if you remove opinion for a minute and look at fact, only a man and a woman can create a mortal body for the spirit. That's why God commanded it. And his commandment to Adam and Eve in the garden was multiply and replenish the earth. Give all of your brothers and sisters in the spirit world a chance to come down and have the experience you're having. But Satan says... Do whatever you want. Be selfish. It's your time. It's your life. You know, live your own. And you forget that we're here to help each other in a very real sense. They can't come without us. Right. And we wouldn't be here without our moms and dads. Every single one of us that are on this planet, regardless of your religion or nationality or anything, we all started in a womb because a mother sacrificed her body for us to be alive. Right. And a, a father was there to contribute (laughs) and to raise. And so in an ideal setting, there is a mom and a dad to raise these children, to teach them to remember God, to remember His plan, so they know what to do when they're here. So uh, if you understand that, you can make truth of so many things. But if you don't know that, and if you've never been taught that, then you would argue with the world on every other matter because you can. Yeah. Because there's no truth to base what you're saying on. Yeah, that's really well said. I, I you know, you're the perfect person to have on this episode, especially you uh, for the institute uh, teach our relationship classes, our dating classes, um, the things here, and, and students just flock to that class because of a clear understanding of of the purpose of marriage, the purpose of dating, um, the purpose of God's plan, the, the whole plan, right? Right. It's interesting because I think the. In order for the plan to function, marriage needs to exist, right? We need to have uh, mothers and fathers raising children. And, and there's a couple of things that I want to talk about in, in connection to that. First, that it, it, as a child, we learn best in an ideal setting from a mother and a father who are teaching me masculine and feminine things, things that are helping me to develop as a whole, um, <clears throat> as a whole person. But as I get older and as I become my own adult, I need a feminine voice in my life because otherwise, for me especially, I'm I'm going to just head the masculine route and I wouldn't put anything in cute in my in my house and it would just be right. There's all kinds of stuff that that my wife brings and she's so fantastic at her role. She is so fantastic. Yeah, she's a wonderful uh, example of a mother at home and and just fantastic. So, but the other thing I think I would say is, uh, like you've said, our objective is to get back and li- become like Heavenly Father, right? Yes, mm-hmm. for here we're supposed to have experiences, learn and grow, choose Him. But the ultimate purpose of the plan was for us to get back and become like Him and you to become like Heavenly Mother, right? And one of the things that I think is really important is, and I don't know that this is doctrine as much as it is just a, an understanding of that concept that we read in Matthew 19 about uh, them becoming one flesh, verse 5. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother who were teaching him masculine and feminine and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be, be one flesh. Now, I think it's interesting that he says one flesh, not two halves of a whole. Because as I have gotten to know my wife, and my wife is becoming perfected in her feminine skills and feminine understanding, and I'm becoming hopefully better in my um, understanding of masculine things, 
I think the objective is really to learn from one another, to become those things, to want and have the same skills and the same abilities, the same understandings. If you look at Christ's attributes, Christ didn't have, he didn't, the, all, the, all the attributes that are associated to masculine and feminine, Christ had all of them and he had them all perfectly. And I think one of the things that is so wonderful about marriage is it helps us learn to understand the opposite sex, the under, not just understand it, but to become like that so that we really become one flesh. Now, there's some things like uh, childbirth that I won't ever do, right? That, that no, I'm never, never going to do that thing. Um, and, and so there are, there are some physical experiences that we won't have unique or, or, or that will be unique to us. But, but at the same time, there is something in a marriage relationship that you will never get anywhere else. No. When you commit to another person, yep. you are giving up the natural man. You are humbly submitting to someone else's needs and desires, yeah. wants, and, and you are saying, I can help you with that. Right. And you are loving deeper than you could ever love by yourself. For sure. Uh, living by yourself is so easy. <laughs> like yeah, you, could, right. you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. When you get in a marriage relationship, you're going to be in a, in a situation with a spouse who wants something different than you do. Right. For, for good reasons. For all the reasons. Right. Right. And, and sometimes you have to rub against that a little bit and figure out how are we going to do this together. Sure. Sometimes that means giving up what you want for what they want. And sometimes yeah. it means they have to give up for what you want. Or sometimes it means you're both wrong and you have to find a better way. Right. So that gnawing of a relationship between a husband and wife refines us as people. Right. And you can't be refined until you've butted heads enough to say, yeah. oh, I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you did it that way. I didn't know people handled it this way. Exactly. And you open up perspective that you would never have if someone wasn't there to say, maybe you could handle this a little bit differently. Right, for sure. Especially in raising and, and um, punishing children. <laughs> Not I, punishing I, I, pun children. Not, uh, correcting, maybe. Um, you know, sometimes my approach would be very different than the way my wife would approach it, and rightfully. Well, for and sure. And vice versa, maybe. Yeah. Right? In fact, this morning I was reading uh, in Alma 43 of the Book of Mormon, and this is a battle chapter. And everyone asks me here, What do you learn here? What do you learn here? Oh, right. we learn so much. So yeah. in 43, the Lamanites are coming to defeat the Nephites, and Moroni makes his first entrance as a 25-year-old captain, sure, right. and, and he has strategy, right? So he says to one of his captains, Lehi, you go around on this side of the river Sidon, and I'm going to go to this side. Sure. And they capture the Lamanites in the middle. Yeah. And because there's good on both sides, the Lamanites are thrashing. They don't yeah. know what's going on. They're fighting. and says, says they have terror. And it also says they fight like dragons. Mm -hmm. So this chapter has those two words. Sure. Terror and dragons. Terror and dragons. And so as we're talking, it honestly is what parents do in a marriage. Yeah. You have a mom on one side, mm -hmm. you have a dad on another, and the children are in the middle going, Terror what do I and do? Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> but a dad is fighting for the right things, mm -hmm. and a mother is fighting for the right things because they love the one in the middle, the yeah. little dragon. Yeah. And they're teaching them, we're not going anywhere. I'm here, she's here, and together, we're gonna show you and shape you yeah. so that all the right things can happen. And so even from that chapter, maybe you wouldn't have pulled that out of the Book of Mormon, sure. but capturing a marriage where a parent can say, I am here yeah. for strength, I'm here for nurture, I'm yeah. here for love, I'm here for correction. We love you enough that we're gonna keep you right here yeah. in the middle of the riverside and you're not right. going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and then and then when the child becomes an adult and moves on on his own, he or she needs the other to help temper and to help balance them. I, again, I just love the idea that we become one, not two halves, not two separate 
um, parts, but one that I become and learn um, the things that my wife can only t- probably teach me, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to pretend that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother haven't had additional training experiences where they learned how to, like it's a woman 101 in, in the next life. I don't know, right? Maybe, that, maybe those things exist. But, but the reality is, is I think I'm going to learn best from my wife the things that my wife understands and the things that as she becomes perfected, she can help me best understand that in a perfect way. Yeah. Um, but in a marriage, it takes every one of those attributes, oh, yeah. right? You, you have to be humble enough to say, there's a better way. Yeah. And you have to be submissive enough to say, I'll try your way. Yeah. And patient enough to say, you didn't. You don't do this as fast as I do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So all of those attributes come into play in a marriage relationship that doesn't come into play in other relationships. Right. Yeah. It is easier to be patient with a coworker because they don't last forever, yeah. and you know the job won't last forever. Yeah, for sure. And it's easier to be um, kind to someone you serve with in a calling because again, the calling will end. Right. But in a marriage, there's just yeah, something about the longevity yeah. that. I have to figure this out. Yeah. Even a missionary with my son coming home, you know, he's been through I don't know how many companions. And again, the companions are temporary, but yeah. you have to work together 24-7. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the hardest parts of a mission is learning to work with someone you would never have chosen on purpose. Right. Yeah. But you learn to do it because that's the job. Yeah. And you need the spirit present or it doesn't work. Yeah. And so missions are such great preparation for marriage relationships yeah, for, for that sure. very reason that you have to stay and figure it out yeah. for that transfer that you are with someone that you would never have otherwise yeah, been with. that's really well said. I love that. The, the other thing I, I might point to here is that I had a class uh, last semester. A student asked a question. How There was a sister that asked a question. She said, how am I supposed to become like Heavenly Mother when I know almost nothing about her? And I thought, what a fantastic question. And my brain just started running. I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, and, I have so many and, ideas. I know, right? And I said, so So I said, let's go look and see what we do know. And so we went in and we found the Mother in Heaven essay and everything we do know is there. According to Elder Renland, everything that he knows is found in that essay. And so I said, well, let, let's talk about somebody we do know. Who do we know the best? And everybody said, the Savior. And I said, yeah, okay, but look, how much do we really know about Heavenly Father? And they said, well, we know more. And I said, what? What do we know more? And they said, well, we know he was present at the pre-meeting before earth. We know that he came and introduced his son, and we know he's been here three times, right? So we know almost nothing about him either. We really learned through Christ. And so I said, okay, so we learn everything about Christ, uh, everything about how to become like Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother through through Christ, but he's masculine. So let's make a list of attributes that the Savior has. And we made a big list. I spent 10 minutes making a list of it, just different attributes they come up with. When I thought they were done, I'd say, no, there's more. Let's find them. So probably 50 or 60 things on the board. And I said, okay, these are, this is a, such a wonderful list. Will you point to, and I'll circle, any of the attributes of Christ that are only masculine? And they couldn't find one. And I said, okay, point one to Christ that are only feminine. And they couldn't find one. And I said, are there any not up here that are only feminine? And they couldn't find one. Right? <laughs> I love that so much. And so, so really what, what we learned in that moment was Christ, having been co- become perfected prior to even coming here, right? His spirit, he had obtained everything so that he had the capacity to become that when he was on earth. Had learned all of the masculine, all of the feminine attributes perfectly. And, and they're no longer masculine and feminine. They are just good and right ways to be, right? They, they aren't attributed to women and attributed to men like the earth and, and, and our culture has done so, so poorly at. Um, 
you know, nurturing should be something we are all good at, not just something women do, right? And, and True, but don't discount the, the power that, that women were called to be creators sure. and given the gift of motherhood oh, yeah. before we arrived here, yeah. right? We don't wait till 11 or 12 to get the right. priesthood. We were called to be mothers and contributors in a creative yeah. way before we arrived. Right. That, that's a huge calling. Yeah, for sure. That comes with those natural gifts. Right. And, and, and yeah, and don't get me wrong, I think the assignments we're given as men and women through the Family Proclamation um, are because of uh, predispositions to things that we ha were given in the pre-existence as we were created as men and women, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but it was an interesting class and it, it kind of opened my eyes to the idea that, that we really are trying to become like Christ, who is all of those attributes perfectly put together. And, and, and it's, it's maybe helped me see my wife differently in understanding, I don't need to just understand her, right? My, I think so many men go through life trying to figure out women. That's not the goal. The, one, the, the, the goal is for me to not only understand her, but to want to become the things she's so good at, right? I and, would even say above that, the, that is correct. Above that is to love her yeah. unconditionally yeah. as she is, where she is. Sure. And so many people in relationships want to change the person they're with yeah. instead of love them right where they are. God right. didn't ask us to, to, thou shalt change everyone you want to right. the way you want them. <laughs> <laughs> it was you should love one another, period. Yeah, right. Love God. And if you see people like God, He loves every one of His children. And I know yeah. as a mother, I have four very different personality children. Mm -hmm. And I come from a family of 12 very different personalities in my family. Sure. But as a parent, I can look at my four and I, the love I have for them is equal and overwhelming yeah. for me. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with understanding them. It's right. everything that I have learned to see them as God does. Sure. I see potential in them. Right. I see the power they have to be amazing. I see the good they offer the world. Yeah. And I'm so overwhelmed. They surprise me all the time with yeah. what they're capable of doing. Yeah. And it's easy to love children because they come unmarred, mm -hmm. you know, just perfect little beings, and you just get to love them from yeah. day one. Marriages are different. Yeah. <laughs> when you come to a marriage, they come with all these imperfections because they were raised in different homes than you and taught different habits than you. And yeah. all of a sudden you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I, I, uh, I think you're exactly right. I, I, I just feel like that, that has changed my perspective of marriage, my marriage in particular, that, that as I love my spouse for who she is and what she is. Right where she is. Right where she is. Mm -hmm. Even in the imperfections, I can see, oh, she is more that way, and I should become more that way, and then I will have a better understanding of why, she's, yeah, right, of why she's seeing this circumstance like that or why she's wanting to go that direction and how she's... Anyway, I, I just think that's a really important component to it. The other thing I would say, and I love that we're spending so much time on, time on marriage because I think it's so important, especially in our culture. The other thing I would say is you referenced that one of the important components of marriage is bringing spirit children to earth. And if we think more holistically about the plan and the outcomes of marriage in the next life, that uh, without being sealed in the temple, without having those, um, that sealing performed, my capacity to become like Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother is not there. Um, we learn in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 131, in the celestial glory there are three heavens. So that's not three degrees of glory, that's in the celestial kingdom. It's broken into three different places. In order to obtain the highest, a man must, or woman, must enter into this in the ordinance 
into the order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. And if he does not, he cannot obtain it. He may enter into the other, but that is the end of the kingdom. And then section 132 really goes in and talks about what is in store for those that choose not marriage and what is in store for those that choose marriage uh, outside of the temple without uh, the sealing power and the blessings that are uh, associated with those that are uh, sealed. So, uh, so, so let me go ahead. Let me just touch on something here. Yes, everything you're teaching is doctrinal truth. But yes, the plan has more than opportunity for all of those things to happen. So immortality, I have family members who aren't married. Sure. I have family members who can't have children. Sure. Um, and, and that's part of the test of mortality. Right. You will go down there wanting something really bad that you're not going to get, and are you still going to love me? Yeah. You know, God, God sent us here to say, even if you have cancer, will you turn to me or will you forget me in the hardship of that? Right, yeah. So even in marriage and family, some of us, that is our mortal struggle. We mm -hmm. want it so bad, mm -hmm. and we don't get to have it. Right. But then in the spirit world and in the millennium, we have yep. a thousand years where Christ will reign, and we will have the opportunity to raise the children we didn't get to have, to marry, right. to fulfill these wishes. So don't look at mortality as the only chance to have For what sure. you hope can be in yeah. the celestial kingdom. Right. God's plan is so much bigger than that. Yeah. And we knew that in the pre-existence. We learned everything we could to a point. Right. And, and we were graduated and we needed an institution to come learn more. And yeah. thus, earth was created for us to learn more. Yeah. But then we will get to the millennium and we will learn from him. Right. He will be our government leader, our church leader, and we'll have a thousand years to do temple work and to make things right. right. And with him in charge, we hope that your heart will open and that you will learn to love him and understand him and become like him because even at the end of the millennium there will be one more chance for satan to say who can i get yeah right <laughs> and and he will be unleashed and all of his followers will be unleashed unlike anything we can comprehend yeah but if we have truly chosen the savior not just in this life regardless of what we go through but in that period of time when he, when we're with him we will totally be able to be yeah. exalted in exactly the way God wants for us. But it'll come down to our choice. Yeah. We had to choose Him in the pre-existence. We have to choose Him in mortality on a constant basis. And we have to choose Him during the millennium. Right. And, but we have all those opportunities to yeah. choose. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I appreciate that because uh, sometimes in talking about this, the natural thought is, well, what about those that didn't get married, didn't have an opportunity to get married? They will, have, right. they will the, absolutely have definitely. the opportunity. So let me just read a, another thing out of section 132. And this is after he's talked about marriage between um, those that have chosen it without being sealed and those that uh, maybe um, die outside of that. But this is him talking about those that were sealed. He says, Verily I say unto you, this is 132 verse 19, If a man marry a wife by my word, by the priesthood authority, which is my law and by the new and everlasting covenant, and it is sealed unto them by the Holy Spirit of promise by whom is by him who is anointed unto whom I have appointed this power and the keys of this priesthood. It shall be said unto them, ye shall come forth in the first resurrection, if not in the first, in the second. And shall, here are, the, here are the blessings of that, shall inherit thrones, kingdoms, principalities, powers, dominions, all heights and depths. But it goes on, and end of verse 19, it says, It shall be done unto them in all things whatsoever my servant hath put upon them in time and throughout all eternity, so you'll be married forever, and shall be in full force when they are out of the world, and they shall come, they shall pass by the angels and the gods which are set there to, it, to their exaltation and glory in all things." As hath been sealed upon their heads, which glory shall be a fullness, a continuation of the seed forever, 
and ever. That's, that's being able to have children, right? We're back to the same thing we have on earth. In marriage, we have children. In the next life, without marriage, without eternal ceilings to spouses, we can't have children. Because right? it we, takes a man right. and a woman we to can't, make a yeah. baby. <laughs> we can't become like Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother unless we have that, that uh, ability. And then verse 20, then shall they be gods because they have no end. End is not, I, I live forever, that's true, but end is I grow forever. And I, if I have all knowledge and I have all things because God well, gave them to me, posterity that's the forever. only thing I grow in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I already have all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the stuff, then I grow in posterity, right? Therefore, they shall be everla from everlasting to everlasting because they continue. Then shall they be above all because all things are subject unto them. Then shall they be gods because they have all power and the angels are subject unto them. I just, I just really feel like our, our world's perspective on marriage is so finite. It's so small. Well, it's because Satan wants everyone to think it doesn't matter. Yeah. If he can thwart the family, God's mm -hmm. plan is ruined. Yeah. If he can keep people from marrying and keep man and woman from loving each other, yeah. he can cause disruption and anger and contention, and he can end God's plan. Yeah. He won't. We know that Christ will come before then, right. so don't fear that. Yeah. But that is his goal, to destruct God's plan and to yeah. eliminate family, because family's everything. The world was created for family. Adam and Eve left the garden to create a family. Yep. The atonement was made to keep families together so we could live together right. again. Like It's how we get children from spirit, from the spirit world to here. Yeah. It's how we eternally progress beyond here. Yeah. It is the core of, of the everything. whole plan. Creation, fall, atonement. Yeah. It is all about God's family and our human family. Yeah, I love that. Maybe we ought to just touch on divorce um, just briefly. That's how we want to end. Well, <laughs> and maybe there's something about children we should touch on before before the end, so we don't so we don't just stop on divorce. But um, you know, it, the real question here that is being asked in Matthew 19 is, can we get a divorce? Well, Christ, what's your and, perspective? And did Jesus say divorce is never acceptable or yeah. divorced people can never remarry? And right. there's a great quote from President Oaks just right in the Please. Come Follow Me yeah. manual where he says. Um, the Lord permits divorced persons to marry again without the stain of immortality specifically to the higher law. Unless a divorced member has committed serious transgressions, he or she can become eligible for a temple recommend under the same worthiness standards that apply. Yeah. So I, we all know family members and loved ones who marriages have ended for all the different reasons. Sure. But the bottom line comes back to that basic commandment, love God. Yeah. In a marriage relationship, when two people love God, you can work things out. But when one of you stops loving God mm -hmm. and, and anything else becomes more important than God, then you end the marriage emotionally, mentally, yeah. you know, physically, spiritually, because you've chosen yourself over God or you've right. chosen your job or your, yeah. or your secretary at your job. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's saying, listen, when you stay close to God, he will work this out for you. Yeah. And so I don't want to get hung up on the word divorce right. so much as... Please get hung up on your conversion to God who loves you and mm -hmm. knows you. Yeah. And whatever you are in, if a spouse has chosen to live a different life than he promised or she promised in the beginning, then you stay close to God and it will work out. Yeah. It will work out. Yeah, I really love that. I think that quote is from a 2007 talk called Divorce. Yeah, it's, it's just a called good Divorce. Talk. Yeah, it's, it's so fantastic. Talk. There's another quote in there. Let me just read really quickly. Um, before that, let me preface this. Really, what Christ's response is, is 
they ask the question, why did Moses allow for divorce then? And Christ says, because of the hardness of your hearts. Effectively, he's saying, because of the conditions of the fall, man is going to have a divorce. It's going to be a thing that's, that's needed on earth because of all the issues that are coming. And then he says an interesting line. He says, but from the beginning, it was not so. Elder Oaks speaks to that a little bit. He says, um, he, he calls it a celestial standard. And then he says, the Lord does not currently enforce the consequences of a celestial standard. He, he's not asking us to live the celestial standard of no divorce. In, in the pre-existence, that's not a thing. In the next life, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that we'll have outside of a fallen world because of the conditions of the fall. So I, I think the Savior's giving that, uh, that nod, saying it is a thing that is needed on earth. Um, for lots of reasons, like you said, for all the reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, I think as you work together to stay close to the Savior, as you've said, and, and close to the Father, um, it becomes less uh, less of a thing, maybe in your own life, in your own marriage, um, as you work together on that, right? But it, but it can't be one person close to God and the other person just all kinds of crazy. No, in it fact, doesn't work. one of the most beautiful attributes of the Savior Jesus Christ was his unselfishness. Yeah. He spent his days loving other people, listening to other people, understanding yeah. other people, going into other people's homes, sitting with people where they were, right. at the well, by yeah. the water, on the seashore. He was all about loving God's children. Right. And in a, any kind of relationship, when both people are wanting to love each other more than themselves, yeah. it works. The minute you stop loving the other person more than you or your desires, you give in to the natural man. You want what you want. Right. You choose other hobbies that take you away from your family and yeah. from your spouse and from your God. Yeah. And when you do that, we've seen in every book of Scripture, everything falls apart. Sure. War happens. Right. Contention happens. Yeah. It, it comes down to selfishness. Yeah. So choosing to be unselfish is an, a choice made on a daily basis multiple times a day. Yeah. Will I love my spouse enough to do the following? I remember a friend who was going through a divorce say to me, um, he was coming into town, he was young men's president, he was late from a business trip and called his wife to say, hey, we've got this big steak young men's program tonight, would you be willing to go buy some ice cream sandwiches? I'm in charge of that and I'm not gonna get there in time. And, and her answer was no, it's your calling. Yeah. You should have taken care of it. If Brother Burke called me, I'd be like, how many do we want? And what flavors? Right. <laughs> and how many coolers should I take to the store? Because I understand you are working for my family. You yeah. are giving what you can to support us. You bet this is your calling. What can I do to help you? Right. That's, a, that's a different relationship. To shut down a spouse who is providing for you and loves the Lord in a calling and is doing the best he can with all that's on his shoulders, mm -hmm. to shut it down and say, no, I won't help you, that's the beginning of an end of a relationship. Sure. So, you know, same with there are moments where a spouse might be working and you think, I don't want to have to make dinner for you. Right. <laughs> really? What if your spouse is working so hard so you have food to buy dinner? Mm -hmm. Is it that hard to love a spouse enough to say, I will have something ready for you? Yeah. Or if I don't have time to make it, what time will you be home? I'm going to run to Panda for you. What do you yeah. need? Yeah, no, I think that's such a, such a well, such, so well said. I, I'm, I'm thinking as, as we talk. You know, there's there's a lot of young adults out there who aren't married, who aren't have, who are looking for that probably in their life on some levels. Um, how does this relate to them? What is the so much what is the dating. what is your invitation to them? Oh, first, I love you. I love all the young adults so much. Um, in a dating situation, practice unselfishness. Yeah. Do an activity that the other person wants to do. Try something new and love it. 
compliment them. Look for ways to support them. When someone's giving a talk in a ward, in a YSA ward, be sure to text them and say, oh, I found that so insightful, or you are mm -hmm. such a great speaker, or your right. delivery was great, or you look so nice. Mm -hmm. Throw out good into the world. They need it. It's practicing it's what you will be when you're a spouse. Yes, yeah. yes, in every situation. When someone has enough courage to ask you on a date, bless their heart, if you don't want to go, be respectful and kind. Yeah. But why not go? Right. If someone has the courage to ask you and they're planning something and they're going to feed you or let you go on a fun hike, just go. Mm -hmm. And make a friend because you have no idea who that person's going yeah. to become. I, I look back now, because I'm just a little bit over the young adult age, <laughs> <laughs> and I look at what my peers have become. They are surgeons. They are business owners. They are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. They are incredible men and women in the gospel, in the community, in the world. Like... The things they have invented and developed, I would never have known on a, on a date back in mm -hmm. high school or in college. I would never have looked at them and thought, really? You're going to be brilliant. <laughs> you're going to be so rich. Like, you're going to be so amazing. Yeah. But it's not the money or the prestige. It's the people they've become. Yeah. I am so proud of them. Sure. And I wish in my young adult mind, I could have had a little vision that every single one of them had so much good to offer the world, mm -hmm. I just couldn't see past the hair sure. that night or right. the smell or right. the car they were driving. Yeah. Because there's, you know, at a young adult age, you see what you see in front of you. Mm -hmm. Look further. Look at, at the potential of this person. Because when you see a lump of clay on a potter's wheel, it's just a lump of clay. Yeah. But it has the potential to become anything. Yeah. And so... Mm. What you in a marriage can do to shape each other, if we, if we stay with that clay, when, when that wheel starts going and life gets chaotic and you feel mm -hmm. like you're going to spin out of control, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the hands on the clay slowly shaping it into something incredible. Yeah. And so as spouses in a marriage, when you are willing to keep your hands in the mud in the middle of the chaos, soften each other, mm -hmm. smooth each other, love each other through all of it that's going to come, and there's so many things that yeah, come. Yeah. You end up together these finished products that can enter into God's presence and say, we did the best we could. Yeah. And He's the one that will fire and glaze you and make you amazing, Make you right? all shiny and cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. I, I might just add to that. I, I, love the, I love the counsel, I love the direction. I might just add that Elder uh, Bednar once, uh, speaking to some young adults, some, single young adults, um, somebody asked the question, uh, what's the best way to prepare for a marriage? And Elder Bednar's comment was, live as if you already have all the things you want. If you, and then he goes on and he asks some questions I'm not necessarily quoting now, but he says, uh, effectively, if you w were married, what would you have eaten for dinner last night? Would it have been what you ate? And what time would you have gone to bed? Would it have been as late as it was? And what would you do on a Friday night? And, and would you, how would you attend church differently? How would you fulfill your calling differently? And he said, when we're, when we're young and on our own, we tend to just do young and on our own by ourselves. Um, but if I lived as if I already had all the things that I want, my life changes. I show Heavenly Father I'm willing to live that life. I'm ready for that life. I will go to bed at normal hours and not stay up till four in the morning and get up and go to work at seven. Uh, I, because I can't if, I, if I'm supporting a family, if I'm all the things that, that become you when you are married. And I thought it was such great counsel. That, that we put away the, the young person mindset and say, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a committed life, whether it's to a person or just to the Lord and being good at being a human, um, and just start living as if you already have all the things you want. And it's, it's just showing Heavenly Father, I'm ready for those things. 
thought Which, that was great counsel. It is great counsel. And it goes right back to truly putting God first yeah. in every penny you spend, in every minute you spend, in every calorie you yeah. eat. Like the decisions we make are small ones. Yeah. And when we make the small decisions with God in our heart and in our mind, would he want me to do this? Mm -hmm. Is this what the Savior would do with this situation? Is this yeah. how he would spend this? Is this how he would treat a person? When he is first in our mind, everything works out. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I, th I think there's obviously so much we're not covering in this block, but there's but other I, podcasts I, for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think there's I think there's some value in. Uh, I'll just say this. I think one of the things that I really love about this podcast is uh, generally there's an opportunity to hear from people who professionally work with young adults every day, all day long, mm -hmm. who see what they struggle with, who see what they go through, who aren't necessarily in the, in the thick of it themselves, who aren't but living in that. But have been there, and we think there. we're still there. Yeah, <laughs> in our minds In our minds we are. But I think what's so fun about it is to have the opportunity to just say what I would say to them all, mm -hmm. right? To be able to say, here's all the things I've learned in my study of the gospel and, and in communicating with you and having conversations back and forth about what we see the young people dealing with. Um, without uh, the, the mud of the young person mind in the middle of it trying to f navigate their way, sometimes I feel like in the middle of the, the fight, it's hard to see. It's hard to see where I'm, tr where I'm supposed to be going. And, and I just love the opportunity to sit and talk with people like you that, that see them, that feel their experiences, but who also can say, okay, let's Let's look at what the whole is. Let's look at what the plan is for you. And while you're mired down in school and work and all the things, um, put your head up and look and see where you're going. Mm -hmm. what, what's the plan? Where, where are we well, at? and the things you struggle with, if you put them into the plan and they don't fit, toss them out of your life. Yeah. I, I think understanding God's plan for you helps you put everything into perspective. Yeah. If you don't understand why you're here and that you're his son or daughter and that he wants to see you again, yeah then you need to understand that. You need to get on your knees and understand that and come take an institute class and we'll talk sure. about it. Yeah. But uh, you've got to understand God's plan for you and He's got to be first in your life yeah. for you to get through all the things that mortality throws. Because once you understand the plan and that there's all these hopeful moments of getting all the things you ever could dream or want um, that are right, you're going to be okay. Right. You're going to be okay. And, and there's moments where you'll have a bad date or you'll have a bad situation or you, someone hurt your feelings and you feel like the world's over. It's not over. That was a, a bleep in your little mortal existence. Yeah. And it's real and you should, you know, yeah, deal with through it. The, yeah, yeah, deal with it, work through it. But don't you dare give up. God has so much in store for you and He desires for you to change the world with the gifts and talents He has offered you for this experience. Yeah. And we all got different ones and we're all good at different things. And collectively, we're pretty amazing yeah. as yeah. a human family. Yeah. But we've got to love each other and see each other for all the good we offer hmm. so that the judgment, the selfishness, all the things that Satan wants to wiggle into our existence, we see those for what they are and we toss them out and Christ wins. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it interesting? We have a, just how children are, uh, little children in particular. I think we have my uh, sister-in-law is staying with us for for the weekend and, and her little son uh, is maybe three, two or three in between there somewhere. And this morning he comes tromping into the room super early into my room. I, I'm still in bed, kind of laying there catching up on some emails. And and he comes tromp, tromping into the room and I said, hey Gideon, how did you sleep? He said, hi good. And I said, oh, good. And, and he said, cuddle and snuggle and hug. 
<laughs> and I was like, you want to snuggle and hug with me right now? Like, I, have, I don't, he's been around me maybe four or five times, right? He's just such a sweet little kid. And he says, maybe later. And then just tromps out of the room, right? Like, I think what he was telling me was he snuggled and hugged with his mom last night. And so he slept good. And, and now I misinterpreted what, is, what he was saying to me. But, but just the simplicity with which they approach life and the way that they uh, look at their trials and their challenges is so different. I know that's something that we, we read in this block as well. Maybe that's where we yeah, maybe that's Mark, where we Mark 10, today. they try to bring children to Jesus and the disciples try to shoo them away like he doesn't have time for yeah. this. And Jesus stops them in verse 14 and says, suffer the little children to come unto me. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, um, the kingdom of God, you must be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. And, yeah. you know, I've been primary president a hot amount of times, <laughs> three or more. And children are amazing. Those... Those children, zero to eight, before the age of accountability, it is doctrinal truth that Satan can't touch them. True. They cannot be tempted by him. And I want you to really think about that because you get these angelic beings from God's presence straight into your home or family or primary room, and they just radiate light. Yeah. They love unconditionally. They hug for no reason. Mm -hmm. They want to say snuggle hug mm -hmm. in your bedroom. They want to just hear whatever you have to say. They are soaking up everything around them. And so for Christ to show the love and then to use them as the example, if you are like these innocent children, you'll walk right into God's presence. Yeah. But when you get marred by the world yeah. and you stop loving unconditionally and you stop recognizing who you are, that's what pulls us away from God. Yeah. So it is a powerful doctrine that we need to look to children, look to the innocent who are so full of love and light and be like them. Well, and, and I think you, you, if you just keep reading in verse 15, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. We, we especially in our culture, we just see so many people fighting against the new instruction or the new counsel or the direction the church is going. And that's not like children. It's not like children to say, why? Why are we now doing it this? Why yeah, was it okay it before <laughs> that was, it was okay to do it this way before, but now we're doing it this way? That means the old stuff was wrong. Children don't do that. Children are like, yes, okay, I will do that. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that's really the invitation here. Children have that. Ability um, to follow faithfully yeah, with love. Simple ability to just say, okay, I trust you, parent. Mm -hmm. And if we really believe that Heavenly Father speaks through prophets, that Christ leads prophets and apostles today, and when they say, here's the direction we need to go, we should just say, okay, thanks, Father. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, whether it's by their voice or His voice, it's the same according to the Doctrine and Covenants. If we really believe that, I think we would fight so little against the new direction under the new council or the new yeah. whatever. I was in nursery Sunday and this sweet little girl who I've never met because I was just subbing in there. She just put both her arms up really high for me to pick her up. Yeah. And it is the most joyful thing in the world yeah. to pick up a child. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And none of them, if you went into primary this Sunday and said, okay, this Sunday we're going to break primary into 15 different things and we're going we're gonna to go to different classrooms and we're going to... None of them would be like, why are we doing this? Why, why this way? Why? Oh, they would cheer the like, okay, way. let's okay, go. Okay, let's go, right? And I just, I just really love that simplicity in the way that they receive the gospel. I love um, children. They're, they're tender and helpful yeah, to me, and especially in how I understand how I need to become. Sister Burke, thank you. If there was... Anything else you would share? Anything you would like the young people of the church to know that are out there listening? What would you say to them? 
please know how great you are, just truly how great you are, and how much your Heavenly Father loves you so very much. Never let anyone else tell you other things. The love is unconditional, it is always there, and He wants so badly to be part of your life. He wants to help you, He wants to talk to you, He wants to answer your prayers, He wants you to succeed and be happy. Turn to Him every day and let His Spirit guide you in everything that you do. Thank you, I love that. We'll have you back. Thanks for your time today. You bet.